So we just had uh, a, a terrific panel on uh, the Greek banking and uh, the financial services sector in Greece and uh, why we can look ahead with confidence for the Greek banking system and for Greece overall. So now we're coming to uh, another part of this uh, uh, sector uh, on the issue of NPLs. We are de uh, delighted to have with us Mr. Spiros Pantelias. He's the director of financial stability department of uh, the Bank of Greece. And he is going to take us through uh, a proposal developed by Bank of Greece that is a complement to the uh, existing proposal, uh, the Iraklis proposal. And he's going to talk to us exactly what the Bank of Greece is proposing and how this will address uh, legacy issues uh, on NPLs and also uh, whatever may come uh, up uh, going forward. So, Mr. Pandelias, thank you for being with us. The floor is yours. Many, many thanks. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, let us start with the facts. Unfortunately, over the past few years, we have been discussing uh, a series of issues associated with the legacy stock of NPLs uh, associated with Greek banks. I'm afraid uh, it is not going to be a surprise to anybody if I just say that uh, uh, in terms of uh, EU figures, uh, uh, Greek systemic banks uh, have uh, NPL ratios north of 30%, which is uh, several times higher uh, than the EU average, which before the pandemic was uh, just before, uh, just below 3%. Uh, another point which is worth highlighting is that uh, the coverage ratio, which is approximately 45%, is close to the EU average. However, if you compare this ratio to other jurisdictions with uh, comparable uh, NPE issues, uh, is uh, somewhat lower. Over the past four years, uh, significant progress uh, has been recorded. Uh, if you take the end of 2016 data, you're going to see that uh, at that time we were approximately a little bit higher than 105 billion of NPLs, actually NPEs according to the uh, supervisory jargon. And here we are on the third quarter of the year 2020, just a little bit below 60, which basically represents a reduction of approximately 48 billion. That's a rather significant number. And it basically describes two key driving factors, uh, write-offs and sales. At the same time, uh, we have also witnessed that uh, additional NPL reduction requires capital. Uh, and um, capital adequacy buffers have to be there um, in order to support any scheme of accelerated NPE reduction. Which takes us to the next fact. If you look at capital adequacy ratios, you look that on average banks uh, at the end of the third quarter of 2020 were approximately uh, higher than 16%, uh, which is a significant capital adequacy buffer uh, compared to the minimum threshold uh, set by supervisory authorities. However, on a fully loaded basis, i.e. if you take on board the full effect of IFRS 9 transition, the ratio goes down to 14%. And on top of that, you have an impact 
which is associated with the securitization laws of upcoming uh, Hellenic asset protection scheme related transactions and whatever the pandemic is going to uh, bring on top of that. Final figures. <clears throat> what we have been bragging, you know, for quite some time over the past couple of years at least, deferred taxation credits. You have a system with approximately 61% uh, of regulatory capital consisted by deferred tax credits. Uh, this is absolutely consistent with the uh, relevant capital requirements regulation with supervisory limits, etc. However, let us be honest, it's a weak form of capital. It's a capital which is yet to be paid. Uh, and the problematic part is that if you take on board a series of uh, losses as the ones you know described in the uh, previously like uh, associated securitization losses ifrs9 transition and so forth we would not rule out the possibility that some banks could be near to 100 percent something which definitely has significant repercussions from a corporate governance point of view as well from state aid considerations but let us be a little bit positive and let's come, you know, to the main item that <clears throat> we're about to discuss at this point. We have set forward an approach in order to systemically address uh, the issues already mentioned. Uh, this particular proposal has to serve a series of objectives. It has to support the recovery of the Greek economy and to safeguard financial stability. It has to provide a joint solution of the issue of asset quality metrics, as well as the breakdown of regulatory capital, while at the same time maintaining that no undue dilution is going to be imposed to current equity holders. To minimize or even eliminate the fiscal impact for the Greek taxpayer in order to produce a solution that is going to be fully compatible with state aid guidelines to induce permanent changes in order to rationalize the income structure of Greek banks and to produce sustainable operating income going forward. And finally, and I think that this is quite significant uh, timing-wise, to complement the existing Hellenic Asset Protection Scheme by providing an additional instrument and by giving flexibility to Greek banks in order to simultaneously address as previously stated, the asset quality issues, as well as the breakdown of regulatory capital. The suggestion can briefly be described as follows. Our proposal is broken down in two parts. There is a stage one and a stage two. During the first stage, banks voluntarily transfer non-performing loans to an asset management company at net book value, no profit or loss associated with the transfer. The loans are transferred along with the underlying contracts, the underlying collateral, as well as existing servicer agreements, which are already in place. We envisage absolutely no change 
in the existing servicer agreements that banks have conducted with third parties and so forth. As we all understand on stage one, we have neither the recognition nor the consolidation of these assets. Banks are still liable for the amount of credit risk, regardless of the legal transfer to the AMC. However, on stage two, we have the asset management company proceeding with the execution of a series of market-based securitization transactions. These transactions are anticipated to take place according to market practices, structuring and pricing as indicated by market conditions. That implies that a significant gap is going to be there, a gap between the net book value that these assets were originally transferred to the asset management company and the implied market value that investors would like to enjoy in order to participate in various tranches of these transactions. We believe that the government should guarantee that difference and that difference should be an additional claim of the AMC on top of collateral and other kind of collections associated with the non-performing exposures which are going to be owned by the asset management company. Of course, the government has to be remunerated for this. We foresee that remuneration should take place in three different parts. Number one, the government is going to subscribe a majority part of the super junior notes in order to claim any potential upside associated with this transaction and to be liable for the remaining credit risk associated with the transfer of this non-performing exposures. Number two, a fee associated with the provision of the guarantee on the behalf of the government, according to market pricing and other kind of equivalent considerations. And third, and here we come to the quantitatively significant part, and this is going to be by far the most quantitatively important part of the government remuneration, what we call the entry fee, i.e. a tax, which is going to be paid by banks according to the size of the NPE book transferred, as well as the associated net book value in order to take under consideration the existing amount of loan loss reserves and to provide the appropriate incentives for banks to participate without worrying that uh, uh, they will be charged an asymmetrical amount vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the net book value, which has already been determined. What is going to be this kind of tax? It is going to be a fixed obligation of Greek banks, participating banks against the government for a period of approximately five years. It is going to be complementary to the annual income taxes paid by banks. And it is going to be settled in cash as well as in kinds, i.e. banks, should be allowed 
to offset deferred tax credits for the amount of tax which is going to be calculated for their entry to this particular scheme. On top of that, I would like to add that banks are going to be able to offset deferred taxation assets through their income taxes as always, i.e. we provide a platform of a dual offsetting facility through two different forms of taxes in order to accelerate reduction of deferred tax credits without imposing any dilution for the recognition of loss. This kind of example indicates, according to our view, a series of benefits. First of all, in general, we believe that AMCs have historically demonstrated to be a significant instrument in terms of improving asset quality metrics. I think that it is very positive if you go through the communication published earlier today by the European Commission that significant emphasis is paid upon this particular instrument as a way going forward to improve asset quality on a pan-European basis. We feel that it would be somewhat awkward being the jurisdiction with the most significant problem of asset quality metrics and not go through this particular route as suggested uh, by the European authorities. At the same time, we also believe that there are going to be significant benefits in terms of addressing not only legacy stock of non-performing exposures, but also whatever problems are going to be associated with the repercussions of the COVID-19 pandemic. At the same time, as already explained, I think that we produce a meaningful way of producing a sizable reduction of deferred tax credits. Again, I would like to emphasize without any sort of an undue dilution of existing equity holders. I, in other words, we believe that banks automatically end up with a different balance sheet, with strengthened liquidity, with strengthened asset quality metrics, hopefully having an NPE ratio at a single digit uh, level uh, or even better than eight or 9%, while at the same time being able to develop a better investment case, a more uh, sound uh, story going forward. At the same time, in terms of resource allocation, we also believe that this way we allow banks to refocus on a different business model in order to generate additional core business, to generate sustainable sources of operating income, and ultimately produce internal capital, something that is going to improve not only their valuation multiples, but also the very requirements set forward by supervisors uh, and other kinds of regulators. In this way, we believe that medium to long-term prospects can improve and they can also contribute their uh, part uh, for their benefit uh, of the group economy. Thank you very much. We are out of time, but 
if I can ask you very quickly to, to reply, please. Great presentation, very insightful, very detailed. Uh, where are we with this proposal today? What's next? There has been a series of discussions with the Greek government, as well as the leading international institutions like uh, the Euro system, etc. From the Bank of Greece's point of view, we will be finalizing our preparations next week. And there, if and when required, we should be ready uh, uh, to proceed with various implementation issues uh, upon the request of the government. However, I do have to emphasize, uh, we neither have the capacity to legislate nor the wallet to fund uh, this particular operations. So uh, it has to be a joint effort. And uh, this is the very same concept that we are waiting uh, uh, to service, you know, over the next few months or so. Thank you very much uh, again for being with us. Thank you for the presentation and thank you for the, uh, for the answer. I would really like to thank you as well. Many, many thanks. Thank you. So we just had uh, a terrific panel on uh, the Greek banking and uh, the financial services sector in Greece and uh, why we can look ahead with confidence for the Greek banking system and for Greece overall. So now we're coming to uh, another part of this uh, uh, sector uh, on the issue of NPLs. We are de uh, delighted to have with us Mr. Spiros Pantelias. He's the Director of Financial Stability Department of uh, the Bank of Greece, and he is going to take us through uh, a proposal developed by Bank of Greece that is a complement to the uh, existing proposal, uh, the Iraklis proposal. And he's going to talk to us exactly what Bank of Greece is proposing and how this will address uh, legacy issues uh, on NPLs and also uh, whatever may come uh, up uh, going forward. So Mr. Pandelias, thank you for being with us. The floor is yours. Many, many thanks. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, let us start with the facts. Unfortunately, over the past few years, we have been discussing uh, a series of issues associated with the legacy stock of NPLs uh, associated with Greek banks. I'm afraid uh, it is not going to be a surprise to anybody if I just say that uh, uh, in terms of uh, EU figures, uh, uh, Greek systemic banks uh, have uh, NPL ratios north of 30%, which is uh, several times higher uh, than the EU average, which before the pandemic was uh, just before, uh, just below 3%. Uh, another point which is worth highlighting is that uh, the coverage ratio, which is approximately 45%, is close to the EU average. However, if you compare this ratio to other jurisdictions with uh, comparable uh, NPE issues uh, is uh, somewhat lower. Over the past four years, uh, significant progress uh, has been recorded. So if you take the end of 2016 data, you're gonna see that uh, at that time, we were approximately a little bit higher than 105 billion of NPLs, actually NPEs according to the uh, supervisory jargon. And 
Here we are on the third quarter of the year 2020, just a little bit below 60, which basically represents a reduction of approximately 48 billion. That's a rather significant number. And it basically describes two key driving factors, uh, write-offs and sales. At the same time, uh, we have also witnessed that uh, additional NPL reduction requires capital. Uh, and uh, capital adequacy buffers have to be there um, in order to support any scheme of accelerated NPE reduction. Which takes us to the next fact. If you look at capital adequacy ratios, you look that on average banks uh, at the end of the third quarter of 2020, were approximately uh, higher than 16%, uh, which is a significant capital adequacy buffer uh, compared to the minimum threshold uh, set by supervisory authorities. However, on a fully loaded basis, i.e. if you take on board the full effect of IFRS 9 transition, the ratio goes down to 14%. And on top of that, you have the impact which is associated with the securitization loss of upcoming uh, Hellenic asset protection scheme related transactions and whatever the pandemic is going to uh, bring on top of that. Final figures. <clears throat> what we have been bragging, you know, for quite some time over the past couple of years at least. Deferred taxation credits. You have a system with approximately uh, 61% of regulatory capital consisted by deferred tax credits. Uh, this is absolutely consistent with the uh, relevant capital requirements regulation with supervisory limits, etc. However, let us be honest, it's a weak form of capital. It's a capital which is yet to be paid. Uh, and the problematic part is that if you take on board a series of uh, losses as the ones you know described in the uh, previously like uh, associated securitization losses ifrs9 transition and so forth we would not rule out the possibility that some banks could be near to 100 percent something which definitely has significant repercussions from a corporate governance point of view, as well from state aid considerations. But let us be a little bit positive and let's come, you know, to the main item that <clears throat> we're about to discuss at this point. We have set forward an approach in order to systemically address uh, the issues already mentioned. Uh, this particular proposal has to serve a series of objectives. It has to support the recovery of the Greek economy and to safeguard financial stability. It has to provide a joint solution of the issue of asset quality metrics, as well as the breakdown of regulatory capital, while at the same time maintaining that no undue dilution is going to be imposed to current equity holders to minimize or even eliminate the fiscal impact for the Greek taxpayer in order to produce a solution that is going to be fully compatible with state aid guidelines. To induce permanent changes in order to uh, 
rationalize the income structure of Greek banks and to produce sustainable operating income going forward. And finally, and I think that this is quite significant uh, timing-wise, to complement the existing Hellenic Asset Protection Scheme by providing an additional instrument and by giving flexibility to Greek banks in order to simultaneously address, as previously stated, the asset quality issues, as well as the breakdown of regulatory capital. The suggestion can briefly be described as follows. Our proposal is broken down in two parts. There is a stage one and a stage two. During the first stage, banks voluntarily transfer non-performing loans to an asset management company at net book value, no profit or loss associated with the transfer. The loans are transferred along with the underlying contracts, the underlying collateral, as well as existing servicer agreements, which are already in place. We envisage absolutely no change in the existing servicer agreements that banks have conducted with third parties and so forth. As we all understand on stage one, we have neither the recognition nor the consolidation of these assets. Banks are still liable for the amount of credit risk, regardless of the legal transfer to the AMC. However, on stage two, we have the asset management company proceeding with the execution of a series of market-based securitization transactions. These transactions are anticipated to take place according to market practices, structuring and pricing as indicated by market conditions. That implies that a significant gap is going to be there, a gap between the netbook value that these assets were originally transferred to the asset management company and the implied market value that investors would like to enjoy in order to participate in various tranches of these transactions. We believe that the government should guarantee that difference and that difference should be an additional claim of the AMC on top of collateral and other kinds of collections associated with the non-performing exposures which are going to be owned by the asset management company. Of course, the government has to be remunerated for this. We foresee that remuneration should take place in three different parts. Number one, the government is going to subscribe a majority part of the super junior notes in order to claim any potential upside associated with this transaction and to be liable for the remaining credit risk associated with the transfer of this non-performing exposures. Number two, a fee associated with the provision of the guarantee on the behalf of the government, according to market pricing and other kind of equivalent considerations. And third, and here we come to the quantitatively significant part, 
and this is going to be by far the most quantitatively important part of the government remuneration, what we call the entry fee, i.e. a tax, which is going to be paid by banks according to the size of the NPE book transferred, as well as the associated net book value in order to take under consideration the existing amount of loan loss reserves and to provide the appropriate incentives for banks to participate without worrying that uh, uh, they will be charged an asymmetrical amount vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the net book value, which has already been determined. What is going to be this kind of tax? It is going to be a fixed obligation of Greek banks, participating banks against the government for a period of approximately five years. It is going to be complementary to the annual income taxes paid by banks. And it is going to be settled in cash as well as in kinds, i.e. banks should be allowed to offset deferred tax credits for the amount of tax which is going to be calculated for their entry to this particular scheme. On top of that, I would like to add that banks are going to be able to offset deferred taxation assets through their income taxes, as always, i.e. we provide a platform of a dual offsetting facility through two different forms of taxes in order to accelerate reduction of deferred tax credits without imposing any dilution for the recognition of loss. This kind of example indicates, according to our view, a series of benefits. First of all, in general, we believe that AMCs have historically demonstrated to be a significant instrument in terms of improving asset quality metrics. I think that it is very positive if you go through the communication published earlier today by the European Commission, that significant emphasis is paid upon this particular instrument as a way going forward to improve asset quality on a pan-European basis. We feel that it would be somewhat awkward being the jurisdiction with the most significant problem of asset quality metrics and not go through this particular route as suggested uh, by the European authorities. At the same time, we also believe that there are going to be significant benefits in terms of addressing not only legacy stock of non-performing exposures, but also whatever problems are going to be associated with the repercussions of the COVID-19 pandemic. At the same time, as already explained, I think that we produce a meaningful way of producing a sizable reduction of deferred tax credits. Again, I would like to emphasize without any sort of an undue dilution of existing equity holders. I, in other words, we believe that banks automatically end up with a different balance sheet 
with strengthened liquidity, with strengthened asset quality metrics, hopefully having an NPE ratio at a single digit uh, level, uh, or even better than eight or 9%, while at the same time being able to develop a better investment case, a more uh, sound uh, story going forward. At the same time, in terms of resource allocation, we also believe that this way we allow banks to refocus on a different business model in order to generate additional core business, to generate sustainable sources of operating income, and ultimately produce internal capital, something that is going to improve not only their valuation multiples, but also the very requirements set forward by supervisors uh, and other kinds of regulators. In this way, we believe that medium to long-term prospects can improve and they can also contribute their uh, part uh, for their benefit uh, of the group economy. Thank you very much. We are out of time, but if I can ask you very quickly to, to reply, please. Great presentation, very insightful, very detailed. Uh, where are we with this proposal today? What's next? There has been a series of discussions with the Greek government, as well as the leading international institutions, like uh, the Euro system, etc. From the Bank of Greece's point of view, we will be finalizing our preparations next week. And there, if and when required, we should be ready uh, uh, to proceed with various implementation issues uh, upon the request of the government. However, I do have to emphasize, uh, we neither have the capacity to legislate nor the wallet to fund uh, this particular operations. So uh, it has to be a joint effort. And uh, this is the very same concept that we are waiting uh, uh, to service, you know, over the next few months or so. Thank you very much uh, again for being with us. Thank you for the presentation and thank you for the, uh, for the answer. I would really like to thank you as well. Many, many thanks. Thank you.